0: Hello and welcome to the Foundation for Future London's first podcast in a new series called Future London. My name is Maria Adebowale-Schwarta and I'm the CEO of the Foundation and I'll be the host for the podcast series. The series will focus on the changing face of East London and what exciting prospects and also potential pitfalls are in store for local people as we see a huge amount of change in the area. As a result, sustainable development and investment in arts, culture and creative sectors from people like ourselves, plus urban renewal, gentrification and shifting trends. So we're going to explore the different aspects of the work we do as a foundation, which covers areas such as environment, public realm, employment, housing, health and more. We will invite guests from our vast network of partners, funders, grantees and sector colleagues who can help shed light on what the future holds, and how they are helping to make a difference to East London communities, looking specifically at the four boroughs of Hackney, Newham, Tower Hamlets and Waltham Forest, and the communities living there, which you haven't heard about, you'll soon hear more about in this episode, in case you've never come across our work. For this first podcast, the theme is Future of Creative Education. I've got with me today Matt Lane, CEO of Eastside a young people's art charity that has set out to deliver a million differences to young lives across London and the UK by the end of 2026, through through its arts and cultural programmes. And Louise Kent who is a participant of the programme and building a future in the creative sector. Eastside is an arts organisation that works with children and young people in and out of school to provide high quality arts and cultural learning experiences. They are a recent capital grants recipient of our Westfield East Bank Creative Futures Fund, co-funded by retail Westford Stratford City. If you haven't heard of our new fund, it's an ambitious five-year programme that aims to invest 10 million pounds to local communities of Newham, Tower Hamlets, Hackney and Waltham Forest, providing new jobs, learning, training, educational programmes, through the meaning of art, culture, innovation, public realm and creative placemaking. So, hi, Matt and Louise, welcome and thank you for joining us on our first ever podcast. I'm going to ask you quite a bit about yourselves and about the creative sector and and my first question is, well, the first thing I want to say is thank you for hosting us. Um, The podcast is recorded session here in the studios in the heart of Short Ditch um, Hackney and it's really lovely and spacious so it's, it's great to be here, thank you. Um, Matt, you're going to have a little bit of time to tell us um, more about the organisation and what you're doing, but I'm going to kick off with, tell us a bit about yourself, your role and um, what Eastside is up to this year.
1: Thank you. (coughs) Well I'm really pleased to be here and uh, it's great to be using this uh, wonderful new sound recording equipment uh, and thanks to Foundation for Future London for helping us acquire this equipment that we can use for projects like this. So um, what we're doing at the moment um, at Eastside is we are um, relaunching our programmes of work. We've had to navigate through the pandemic. Um, We've had to, at times, close this building that we're sitting in. Um, We are reopen. We're now working in great detail with our community of artists. And we've just done a tally up of the work that we have managed to achieve over the last 12 months um, in the creative education space and I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed at how hard our artists and team have worked and we've, we've delivered 1,400 workshops and sessions in just 12 months over the last year and reached 38,500 young people and that's thanks to the hard work of the team but also our pool of artists. We have 69 artists uh, who've worked with us across this last 12 months from our pool of about 150 practitioners. So we've been really hard at work to get back out there um, following the time where we were prevented from being out there and doing our work um, due to all the restrictions uh, based uh, around the pandemic. And we know that we have to get out there and get out there as quickly and as as effectively as possible because collectively, the young people of this country, as have all of us, been through a, a major trauma together and that interrupts our growth as individuals, interrupts our education. And now more than ever, we need to encourage young people to express how they feel and what they know about themselves and what they hope for for the future so that they can plot their future effectively with confidence. So we, we, we feel the, the importance of our work at this time ever more uh, succinctly and clearly We need to continue to work harder than ever before uh, because the need is there, I think, among the communities that we serve.
0: It's interesting you're saying about working harder because um, it feels right now that anyone who's interested and understands the value of arts and culture, um, are all pretty worried, actually, about the lack of resources that's going into it. And yet, as you just mentioned, it's incredibly important, not only for people's lives, but, you know, areas... Um, communities, careers. Um, You have an interesting background. Yes. um, And hearing you now very much clearly involved and leading on creative cultural work. But you also used to do something a little bit, maybe more scientific, some might say. Just tell us a little bit about kind of how you got here.
1: Well, I I guess was the product of uh, a rather traditional and... um, I think, I'm, well, uh, for me, it was uh, all that I knew, but I grew up um, in North London, went to an all-boys private school where I was educated in a certain way and um, was expected to respond to the challenges of education in a certain way. And um, I was uh, reasonably good at doing that, so I was able to pass the exams and to jump the hoops of that education system. Uh but as a result, it took me quite a long time to figure out who I really was and what I really liked and what what I really cared about. And so I found myself on a bit of a conveyor belt of education. So through through private school into university, um, I happened to do a little bit better in my exams at the sciences than I did at the arts. So that was a big crossroads, although I'd always really, really enjoyed English, languages, performance, singing, acting, drama, music, all the things that my school was resourced to deliver and I benefited from but I kind of ended up hopping into study medicine and so off I went to Bristol University and uh, had a fantastic experience at university I must say and I was so grateful to have that experience funded um, at that stage you know, the, the fees were funded so I could really enjoy the experience and the learning that was provided not only through my degree course but also through the whole wide range of things that the university was offering. And I threw myself into everything that I could um, to continue my love and engagement of music, the arts, drama, writing, etc. So by day I was a medical student, by night I was on stage in my band or going off to do plays in Edinburgh and things like that. And um, so it, I kind of came out of university, the other side sort of was deposited into society having been through a c- conveyor belt education and um, realised that it wasn't going to be a continuation of my experience. I was out there on my own and actually found it pretty difficult to, to cope with the expectations of the job and the hours of the job. I was a junior doctor back in uh, the, the early 2000s. So um, it, it was it was quite tough. So, And the amount of free time that I had to nurture those other aspects of, of my own life, were were not available to me. So after a while, I just took the plunge and decided I would leave and make a fresh start. I managed to get a place at drama school, funded my way through that, and then thereafter just ploughed my own furrow and decided to you know make my career in the arts. And I've done lots of different things in that pursuit, but everything makes sense looking back uh, rather than... Know, if you'd asked me you know, 20, 30 years ago what would I be doing in the future, it would have been harder to predict. But um, it makes sense now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When you're older, you kind of look at well, how you got here. Um, I didn't think I'd be, I'd be in the creative sector either, because I think I got told in some ways that um, it's going to be too difficult for you. you. know, People like you don't get into the creative sector. I think we're showing that that's not true, um, and certainly you are, Louise, too. Could you, Louise? You are creating uh, an amazing career for yourself. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you got into the whole creative industry, and 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 what good look like would look like for you. You know, when you feel you, you've got to where you want to be, if that ever happens, because most people just move on to the next thing, but.
2: Um, I've always been a creative learner I'm more of a practical hands-on person Um, and as a kid I always had a camera in my hands I was always taking pictures of everything that I could take a picture of Um, and then that turned into a hobby Um, and then as that hobby grew I understood more that I could actually learn about it and make a career out of it so I studied it in college um and I just fell in love with it more and more as I learned more and more about it um and then there was a period of my life where it was so hard to get anywhere in this industry that I kind of lost a bit of that hope um and more recently I tried to save up as much as I could money-wise um I left my previous job and I really tried to focus on my career in the media industry um It's been a struggle it really has so far but then I found this program Eastside and it's given me my first opportunity to learn more about the industry and really open more doors so I can progress my career that way. I mean Eastside does
0: really interesting work is there anything in what you've done so far that you think this is this might be a game changer for me?
2: I've always enjoyed having the camera in my hands and I've always enjoyed being a practical learner. And since joining Eastside, I've had access to more equipment and more cameras. And the more I've learned about the different types of cameras and different things you can do with a camera, it's opened my mind up and it's like creatively inspired me to learn more about cameras. And I really want to get into being a camera operator or potentially a DOP in the future. Um, but I think that's
0: the path that I want to go down amazing um, I'm just thinking of all the cameras I've got in a <laughs> in one of my drawers at home um, and I'm just thinking I haven't had my cameras out for ages so thanks for that reminder <laughs> I think I've got some skills to learn from you so I'll contact you later if that's all right um, Louise it's you're probably you considered as a young person so um, and do you want to go to school in arts or do you think that's one of the ways actually people don't ne- get maybe caught in and thinking they have to go to university or an art school to be in the creative sector? What, what are your thoughts?
2: I think personally for me, because I'm more of a practical hands-on learner, I think experience and work experience and programmes were more my way of doing things. And I think um, it's also the money side of schools. I think... Um, For me personally, I think I couldn't get to that level. So I had to explore other opportunities for myself. I think the best way to learn about the industry is to be practical and actually get yourself in the jobs and the opportunities that are available to you. So you can learn more about people in the industry and you make contacts and then you learn more about equipment and then you learn more about other jobs. And it all comes around to a big whole and I think that's something that you could get from school. I wouldn't know because I haven't been, but um, I think the best way to learn is to actually do something. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? It's the doing. Okay. Um, what's influenced you? I mean, has there been a particular individual that you kind of see someone that you know or don't know, but you think, actually, uh, I quite, quite like what they do. I oh, don't be in a bit like that.
2: I think there are a lot of great people out there that do, especially for me, I like cinematography. I think there are fantastic cinematographers out there, so it's hard to nail down just one to think, oh, influential role model. But I think more personally, I think uh, the people that I've worked with in my life, so like during my college experience, there was the one teacher that really inspired me to keep pushing myself to do better. Um, And then at Eastside... um, These guys have been a big influential part of my creative journey. After struggling for such a long time in the media industry, you kind of lose hope that, is this going to happen? But they've given me that hope back and hope that I can still do what I want to do in the future. Great. I hope so.
0: I think you will. So Louise has just talked about informal learning and formal learning, actually. Um, Matt... Could you tell me a bit more about the work that you're doing at Eastside and, and what makes your informal out-of-school learning offer stand out, which it clearly does. Um, do you do anything different? and Why are young people coming along to work with you and your colleagues?
1: Well, um, we try and make sure that, first of all, young people know about what we're doing. So actually getting the word out um, in the right places is all part of it. You actually have to put the effort and the energy and the time into planning and then letting young people know that we're here for them and that we've got opportunities that are going to be meaningful. So there's a sort of recruitment exercise that is needed really every time we embark upon a new programme just to let the young people know that we're going to be starting something new and something different uh, is going to be happening. Um, The second thing is about creating space and whether that be sort of um, time to have dialogue with young people time to um, work with them in in a safe environment. So we've got training spaces in our building here. Um, All of our artists are not only expert at what they do, but have been selected because they can communicate um, their skills effectively, we hope, to our our young people. Um, You can be the best uh, cinematographer in the world, but if you can't communicate with a group of young people, then it's going to be difficult for us to, to, to get the result that we want. So we work hard to find the right artists and practitioners to come and run the programmes. uh, And then um, the kit is important. We need to be working with modern kit that can then connect to the platforms where we want to share our work um, and to give the young people's voice agency and platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... The final kind of ingredient I guess is around having meaningful projects to work on so Eastside as I mentioned earlier is a very busy organisation that runs um, not only educational events across the country in schools and outside of schools but we also run public events which are celebratory events sharing events, performance events and increasingly digital um, is a big part of those events and what we do because it's a brilliant way of capturing what goes on on the West End stage or in a regional theatre or in a school assembly or in a sharing event or out in the community if we're documenting something out there so having film cameras having podcasting kit having editing suites all of these things are really vital for us to actually take the story that we're telling or the learning that we're doing capture it and then share it with others so when a young person joins our programs um, here through film and digital programs, because we've got our schools work and then we've got our film and digital programs. When a young person comes and joins the film and digital programs, they'll be working in a whole different range of environments. Sometimes they're going to be working in the school environment, sometimes in a the theater, sometimes out in the community. We've even had stuff happening in swimming pools, you know, where uh, we've had some crazy... Documentaries made about the Merfolk of of London, who like to dress up as mermaids and so forth, and then, but we did a documentary about that those kind of things. So, all um, we could be doing dealing with climate change. So we we made a whole series of climate change films. So, and more recently, actually, Adam, our film digital program manager, has taken a crew all around the country to follow uh, the work of Luca Rutherford, a visual artist, as she performed her show in. Um, Cambridge up in Stockport in Deptford so the crew have been out there interviewing audience as well as documenting the show, making uh, trailer videos so everything that they create has a purpose and has an audience that it, that it needs to communicate with. So we, we have moved away from a sort of not that we ever did this but we, we recognize the value of theoretical learning but without practice that that learning can be lost. So we do the training, we do the learning about how to use the kit, but then we get into action and make things happen, and then it becomes a live experience. So that's what's important to our work, um, particularly with young people in the film digital strands.
0: It's learning action, keeping the door open for young people. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, You mentioned something about um, working around the country, actually i um, really interested to hear a bit more about that, but maybe um, you can tell me a little bit more in one of the next questions. The Foundation Future London, one of the things we're looking at, is also working with London community organisations like Eastside and also making connections to other organisations in the UK. So your networks, our networks get built within London, but also outside of it. So if you wanted to do a gig in Edinburgh, you know where to go to, you know who to work with, etc., um so that's interesting. I'm sure that's another conversation, but I wanted to just you, you mentioned um that you also look at documentaries as well. Uh what kind of kind of examples of those have you done? Is it is it focusing on East London or is it particular issues?
1: Yeah, l- lots of documentaries have been made over, over recent years. Um we um we made one called The Changing Face of Shoreditch. Um where we talked to uh, a coffee vendor who had previously been a homeless person and his perspective of what was happening to the environment to the, to the local community about the sort of new buildings that are happening that the cost of living and so forth um we made a documentary with shoreditch town hall who were just on our doorstep who are a fantastic center for arts and culture and all the work that they do um We made a a documentary with some of the residents of Arnold Circus um, a year or so back. Um, It's a a beautiful setting with a bandstand was which was threatened with demolition and closure. Um, But more more recently, we are we are looking. We've made documentaries around the environment. As I said, Um, climate change is a is a big big issue and a concern of young people that they've fed back to us time and again over recent years so we commissioned um, a series of climate change films um, in partnership with adobe who funded that particular program um, to look at some short fiction stories that we wanted to tell but also some documentary pieces talking to leading youth environmental activists across the c- across the world actually so we, we, we um, recorded that during lockdown but using zoom techniques to pull together a documentary, speaking to people in in South Africa, in Europe, and in the UK, um, to get their their views on what was being done and what wasn't being done. Um, so it's a whole variety of different things, and and I've as I've said, there are some more quirky documentaries that we made recently. Um, but again, working with the sector, we we've worked. We recognise the value of the educational work that the creative sector does. So we've worked in partnership with the Royal Court and with Grey, Ey- Grey Eye Theatre Company to document what they do to raise awareness as well of what others are doing in this space.
0: I, I, the whole idea about working with others is really important, especially around big issues like climate change and environment, which which we're also doing. Louise, um, tell us a bit about... Um, your thinking and around digitalisation and what that means for photography actually. You know, some people actually putting their cameras away but you clearly haven't quite rightly. So tell us a little bit more about that.
2: I think uh, digitalisation is great as it gives a lot more people access to everything, whether that's looking at photography online or whether that's accessing education online or different opportunities online. I think on a personal level, I have been able to spread my workout to more people and even like internationally I get comments on my social media from people in different countries saying like oh where did you take this this is amazing and then I can interact with them too and it's really nice that you can have that experience online I think digitalization is a really important thing to have for younger people especially because social media is on the rise there's so many different ways you can do things and it gives access to more people and you can even put yourself out there a bit more. Yeah.
0: So it's a bigger platform, but also you're kind of having conversations with people you might not have had before. I mean, across the waters saying your work's great. That's fantastic, isn't it? I think we're coming to an end. So I have t- a set question, um, two set questions, actually, for both of you. Um, what does the future of art and creativity look like for you? And who isn't at the table? So I'll start with Louise.
2: I hope there'll be a continuous growth to keep the different industries alive and I hope more opportunities will continue to appear. I hope that it can be accessible to more people. That's very important. And I think everyone should be encouraged to get involved and be at the table rather than there not being anyone. I think there should be just more things, more opportunities rather than taking away things from the industry.
0: Thank you. So you get people at the table if you actually resource them to be there and you keep the door open? Yes. Thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> Matt, what's your thinking?
1: I think it's such a great question. Um, every single person is creative, has the potential to exercise their creativity, but it does take practice. I think um, the risk is that we go through life without really exercising our creativity and without being encouraged to do so um, we need to think for ourselves, we need to make decisions for ourselves, all of us do and the the more that we encourage young people to be empowered for to think for themselves to speak out for themselves to follow their own dreams and to follow what they know to be right um, we, we, I, I can't emphasise how important that is We need an empowered, youthful generation to come forward and and lead us from where we are now. Um, We need to remove, I think, a top-down approach. This is how it should be. This is what you do. This is what you should do. I think any um, organisations or institutions which are trying to instruct people how to behave uh, based on old ways of doing things uh, are going to struggle, So I think what, as a sector, we need to do is to be open to new technology, to be open to working together better, to to listen more to young people and to put young people um, in positions where they can take responsibility and make choices and make good choices and to guide and help and support them to do so. So for me... um, the future has to be different. We have to, we have to all grow, um, particularly of those of us who are uh, no longer in that younger people age group. We've got to be prepared to grow and change and do things differently, um, and um, the, the world needs it. We need some solutions to the, the challenges that we face, and we don't need to be passive in that experience. We all need to be active, and we all need to work together. So creativity and culture is about bringing people together and having shared experiences and expressing something uh, and experiencing something together. So it needs to be absolutely fundamental to our education, uh, to what happens when you go to school. Schools should be cultural places. They should be places of creativity and expressivity, um, where people are working together on lots of great projects. And learn about the past, but apply the learning to the to the now and to the future. Um, workplaces should be creative institutions. They should be places where you can feel free to 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 work hard, to express yourself, to be part of a team, and to be able to express your truth and your opinion about what matters. Um, so, um, I think that that's what I hope the future holds. We we need to get to grips with the challenges of the day, but. Um, Human beings are naturally creative. We all can problem solve if we are encouraged to do so and to use our our creative thinking to do that. So art and culture are wonderful ways to exercise our creativity and let's keep fighting for it as long as we can uh, right the way into the future.
0: I think that's probably a good way to stop, isn't it? Because let's keep fighting for it and let's hope one day we don't have to fight for it because it's just like, of course, culture and art's really important. Thank you. I'd like to say thank you to our interviewees today, Matt Lane, CEO, Artistic Director of Eastside, and Louise Kent, who's an upcoming photographer, also working on the programme at Eastside. Um, So, that concludes the podcast for today. Um, I know we could go on for a while and... uh, don't have any more time. So it was wonderful to talk to you both, Matt Louise, and thanks again for coming to the show and sharing your lived experience and knowledge and what you think the future should look like for culture and arts. So for the next episode, we'll be looking at environment and climate change, and we'll be back in about a month, so stay tuned. And if you're looking for funding support with your own projects or looking to gain new skills, training our work and opportunities in the creative sector. Make sure to check out our website, Future London, but also check out Eastside. Thank you, Louise and Matt.
1: Thanks so much for coming to speak to us today. I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. It's welcome. Thanks for your time.